play a lot of roles. Hey, 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 don't eat that. Don't tap on the brain. Lordy. All right. Oh, you're good. Take, take a left, turn left, turn left, turn left. When a man loves a woman, he... Honey! All righty, sweetie. This time I want you to concentrate and focus on the ball. You got this. Sweetie, your date's here. Two weeks, no TV, no phone. This is my door in my house. I told you not to slam it. You get the door back when I say you get the door back. I told you before, don't you slam the door in my house. I told you. Hey, knock it off. Don't let me turn this car around. I'll do it. What are you wearing? No, I, you're not going anywhere looking like that. Go on back upstairs and put some clothes on. Oh! Got it. Ooh, sweetie, open the door. Get the door. Get the door. Get the door. Get the door. Open the door. Open the door, sweetie. Open. Bye. And Jesus steps in and stops everybody before they start throwing the rocks. And he says, let he who's without sin throw the first stone. You do all of this knowing that one day you will get fired because we all get fired. But by the grace of God, you might get hired back to be a consultant. Hey, sweetie. What's up? Well, several years ago, as many of you may remember, I had the opportunity to preach alongside my own father on Father's Day regarding this topic of advice and guidance passed down from a father to his children. And we had a great time. We actually had a boat up here on the stage. We did a little skit. And we spoke directly from the book of Proverbs, especially chapter 4. And chapter 4 in the book of Proverbs is actually titled, A Father's Wise Advice. So let's just listen to the very first two verses of that chapter. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching, for I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all of your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. After carefully reflecting on these verses again for this message, I was reminded not only of the precious time that I've had to share with my own father, but also the limited amount of time with which I have to share and guide my own children before they leave the house and venture out on their own. I was also reminded specifically of the life transitions that take place over time and the different roles that each of us play as time passes. The author Solomon reflects on two such roles in this passage that we just read. His role first as a father, but also his role as a son. His role as a son was to be a listener, to be a follower, retaining and keeping his father's commands. Many years later, that role has now changed as he gives the correction, the guidance, the instruction, and the shared wisdom. Well, this video that we just watched reminds us of all the roles that fathers provide for us, the many hats that you wear. Albeit a funny video, it does ring pretty true, right? I know a lot of you are chuckling laughing, laughing because you probably experienced those very same things. From teacher to home remodeler, pack mule, judge and jury, 
guider and pastor, we understand that fathers play a crucial role in the development of a child. In fact, there have been many studies showing the importance of a father in a child's emotional well-being, as well as faith formation, safety and security, and even social development. Dads, you are important. You are crucial. You matter. And I find no coincidence that Father's Day falls during this time that God has laid it on our hearts to delve into James and the Proverbs. Because many of the passages in the book of Proverbs, as I mentioned, are written from a father's perspective as he passes down wise advice to his children. Things that God has shown him or that he has experienced on his own. And James mirrors many of these ideas in his letter to the persecuted Christians around the world, especially towards the end of chapter 3, which is where we're going to find our main text for today. So if you do have your Bibles with you or you want to follow along on the screen, turn to the third chapter of the letter written by James in the New Testament. And it's in these passages that James is continuing his warning against those causing dissension in the church. Now, if you recall, one of the problems brought forth by the persecution and the tough financial times was infighting amongst Christ's followers. There were those specifically causing division in the church. And James addresses this first by reminding us the power of the spoken word. Then he gives us the solution to the dissension in the last half of chapter 3. And it's in these passages that we're reminded of the kind of role models that we are to play as Christ's followers. You see, James is still possibly speaking directly to the leaders of the church when he says these words. So as fathers, as men, as leaders, as followers of Christ, we already know that there are several roles, several models that we are to embody And while many and most are important, I'm going to focus on just three this morning. So first of all, fathers, model wisdom. Wisdom is at the center of this entire passage. James chapter 3 verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding amongst you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. Wisdom was so important to Jewish people. I mean, that's the whole entire point of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2 through 6. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and wise dealings in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And let the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying. The words of the wise. Think about one of the main authors of Proverbs. We're talking specifically about Solomon. In the book of 1 Kings 3 in the Old Testament, God asks Solomon in a dream what he wanted. And what does Solomon ask for? Wisdom. Why? Because wisdom is so much more. Knowledge is important, but what's even more important is how we use that knowledge. 
It's the main thing here. Gain wisdom, not just knowledge. You have to apply that knowledge. You have to put it into action. I mean, there, there goes James again. This whole idea about putting our faith into action. After warning us in chapter 3, verse 1, that many should not become teachers because their judgment would be harsher, James is showing us exactly the ones that should become the teachers. And it's because of wisdom. Remember, as, as fathers, as role models, our children are looking to us. They're following us. They're watching us. They're reenacting. They're doing everything that we are doing. So does your conduct match the kind of model that you want to be? Are you doing good works that come from humility, that come from wisdom? But not just any kind of wisdom. Here we're, we're looking at two different kinds of wisdom that James is outlining for us. Wisdom from God, or true wisdom, and wisdom from the world, or false wisdom. You see, we live in a world and time where everyone wants to give advice. We want to tweet about it. We want to post about it on Facebook, and so on. James is writing to us that true wisdom is shown in our action, in our humility. It's more than education. If you think you're a wise, we should be able to see it in the things that you do. Your everyday and general behavior, your meekness, your humility. Those that possess true wisdom will embody a gentleness, not an arrogance. So ask yourself right now, am I modeling wisdom? Secondly, as Christ followers, as fathers, we are to model sacrifice or selflessness. James goes on to say this in verse 14, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly is unspiritual, is demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. Notice that there are attributes of this, this false wisdom, this wisdom that comes from the world. And those attributes are jealousy and selfish ambition. God's word, the Bible, is full of examples of this false wisdom resulting from the selfishness and from the lure of our own evil desires. The Tower of Babel probably seemed like a really wise idea because it was to show those convinced that they had power and might and smarts. Yet we know how it ended, in failure and confusion. King Solomon, in all of his wisdom, thought that uniting kingdoms and building alliances through multiple marriages would be a really great idea, but it ended in a divided heart and a loss of focus on the one true God as Solomon sought after the false gods and deities introduced to him by these wives. Jesus' disciples thought it would be best to just dismiss the crowd of 5,000 people. Jesus, there's no way we could possibly feed them all because there wasn't enough money. But Jesus took a few loaves of fish and bread and fed a multitude. 
All these examples and many more are centered and focused on jealousy and selfishness when it pertained to the perceived wisdom that was gained from the world. And selfishness at its core is destructive. It says it will do everything in its power to provide, to gain the advantage, to gain the pleasure, you name it, regardless of its effects on other people. Selfishness can hurt relationships. It can cause us to fall into traps like addiction. It can destroy reputations, and it can lead to loneliness. These are not from God. These are not attributes that come from God. This is false wisdom from the world, and it draws its power from an earthly source, meaning it's the opposite of spiritual Derived from our fallen nature, our nature apart from God. This false wisdom also draws its power from another source, a demonic source, James says. The father of lies, our enemy, has another form of wisdom, a wisdom that will confuse and befuddle us, a wisdom used against the wisdom of God. And what results from jealousy, from bitter envy, and from selfishness and selfish ambition? James says, disorder in every kind of evil practice. Is that the kind of model that we want our children to have, that they need disorder and envy and selfish ambition to plague them? Of course not. If we're to guide our children, then our actions should show the kind of wisdom that we pursue. James goes on to contrast the attributes of the false wisdom or the worldly wisdom with that of the wisdom gained from above or gained from God. Verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Do any of these sound familiar? Well, they should. Galatians 5, through 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. True wisdom isn't about education. It's not about gaining knowledge. It's about action and character. If you have wisdom from above, then your character and your actions will show this. Christ is the ultimate model for us to follow. His ministry was marked by selfless actions in a servant's heart. Which will your children remember and appreciate more? That promotion that you've been striving for and you finally received at work or the time that you dropped what you were doing to help them with homework, to help them learn how to ride a bike, to read them a book or a passage from the Bible, that time that you embraced them when they had fallen or got hurt. Are your actions marked by the fruits of the Spirit? Are you embodying the attributes of Christ? Are you modeling sacrifice? Lastly, fathers, we are to model peace. 
We are to be the peacekeepers, the peacemakers, wherever we find ourselves, at work, at church, at home. Before jumping, in, jumping to a new train of thought, James finishes out this section on wisdom by mentioning something that every single Christian, every church should have ingrained in their heart. That's peace. James mirrors the metaphors used by you so many times by God and by Jesus in this idea of sowing seeds and reaping a harvest. In this instance, peace is at the center. It's the seed focused most on at this moment. True wisdom, not worldly, not earthly, not man's wisdom, is marked by peace. The peace we're talking about here is, is in this relationship with other people. True wisdom that can only be obtained from God produces fruit and action in a person's life. And this fruit that is produced has in it more seeds. And those seeds, when planted and sown, produce more fruit. Those seeds can bring about such a harvest of good and plentiful fruit but we understand and know they are not able to be nourished in an environment where there's strife, where there's bitterness, where there's jealousy, and fighting amongst one another. Every single life is a life of sowing and reaping. And as the old saying goes, we reap what we sow. The fall of Christ who obeys God's wisdom, who seeks it over worldly wisdom, will sow righteousness instead of disobedience towards God. Those who break personal relationships from fighting and selfishness and bitterness essentially cut themselves off from the vine and from the reward which God gives. Remember, it's a serious offense to God. Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19, it says, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. God hates enmity between his children. He loathes it. Man's wisdom leads to competition and rivalries but God's wisdom leads to peace. And this peace is based on holiness, not based on compromise. God never has or requires peace at any cost. If the church has wisdom, if the Christian has wisdom from above, then there will be peace. As followers of Christ, as fathers, are you demonstrating and modeling peace with those around you? Or are you causing division, gossip, slander against those around you? Remember, someone is always looking to you. Someone is always looking up to you, fathers. So to summarize, James is reminding us He's encouraging us to model wisdom. And not just any wisdom, but God's wisdom. In James 1.5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. 
Seek wisdom more than any riches. This is wisdom that cannot be humanly attained. It is a gift from God. James says, model sacrifice and selfishness, selflessness, sorry, not selfish ambition, not jealousy, not envy. Becoming a father means that there is now yet another person that God has put directly in your charge. Someone to protect, to shepherd, to guide, to lead, sowing seeds, sharing the fruits of the Spirit, and cultivating their growth so that one day they will produce fruit of their own. It takes time. It takes putting our own pursuits and selfish ambitions aside. It takes selflessness. And then lastly, James says, model peace. Now, I know I have addressed fathers specifically in this message. And I do so because fathers have been called upon by God to lead, to guide, and shepherd the family. Fathers, you must embody these attributes and qualities. Your life must be marked by godly wisdom, seeking it more than anything, and producing conduct and actions out of this wisdom. But the beautiful thing about these passages is that James isn't specifically singling out a specific group. He's talking to Christians in general, every single person. That means that guidance, this advice, should be applied to everyone. James is saying that as followers of Christ, we should all be embodying these attributes because the truth is we all have multiple roles. We all matter. We're all important to God. Father and son and mother and daughter and aunt and uncle, cousin, coworker, boss, friend, acquaintance. All of us at some time or another are being watched. Someone is always watching our actions. They're watching what we say and what we do. Some are even following your example, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether you want them to or not. In other words, we're all role models. What would you rather have your life marked by? Earthly false wisdom evidenced by envy and strife and boasting and selfishness and deceit and jealousy or wisdom from God evidenced by meekness, by purity and peace, by gentleness, by mercy, by good fruits, by Christ's influence on your life? What kind of legacy, what kind of example do you want to leave for your children? Do you want their faith to produce action and produce good fruit? Well, let me encourage you today that if you haven't taken that step towards faith by dedicating your life to Jesus, declaring him as the one in charge of your life and admitting he is the one who saved you, if you haven't followed Christ's example and command to be baptized, make this that day. Make this the day that you lead by example, the day that you model that wisdom and that sacrifice and peace, the day you model Christ. And if you haven't committed to a church home and put your faith and wisdom into action at one place, again, make this that day. 
If you have a decision to make, would you do so as we stand and we sing our song of invitation?